I know Phil was right when he said earlier, you came for the children. <laughs> well, I do. I want to add my uh, welcome to those of you who are guests this morning. You're here to support the kids and, and uh, be a part of their lives. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Oh, and thanks to Sarah and to all of her helpers. Man, it's just so much fun. So much fun. At Applewood Community Church, we, uh, we firmly believe that children are a gift from God, and, and times like this remind us uh, what a precious gift they are. Unique little people, aren't they? Just so special, bearing the image of God. Oh, smiles and innocence and inhibited, uninhibited, they, uh, they remind us, don't they, as adults, that we definitely lose some things as we journey to adulthood. And some might say that's good, but I, I think there are some things that, that we lose. We certainly, uh, we certainly become more uh, inhibited, don't we, as, as adults? We are more concerned about what people think, I think, often than we ought to be. We certainly lose our minds. <laughs> And our ability to remember and to memorize and cuteness. Man, we lose cuteness. Yeah. (laughs) No, my brother, I'm speaking for more than myself. (laughs) You know, as hard as I try for these next few minutes, I can't be cute. I just can't be. And and I apologize for that. but, But I promise I'll try to be clear. That's, that's one thing I'm going to shoot for is try to be clear about, about something that, that we hear a lot about this season. You've heard of it already this morning. Janine and Chloe and Jacob spoke of it when they lit the Advent candle. The kids spoke and sang about joy. Joy. It's one of the four traditional themes of the Advent season. The church through the ages has has celebrated the Advent season around the ideas of peace, joy, hope, and love. The church for centuries has viewed the Advent season as being a time of of anticipation and and preparation for the birth of Jesus, the the Messiah King, the Savior. And if you're not familiar with that word Advent, it's taken from the Latin and it means coming or to come. It's a season where we anticipate and prepare for the coming of Jesus into the world. Obviously, it's, it's a symbolic anticipation. It's a symbolic waiting. We know that, that he has come 2,000 years ago, but I just think the Advent is such an important season for us because it, it reminds us, if we take the time to slow down, to remember, to anticipate, again, what is for many of us a very familiar story, a very familiar event. It's important because we live in a frenzied society. We live in a culture, particularly in this season, that has just hyped up the anticipation of Christmas Day. And what we don't want to do is just give ourselves to busyness. Oh my goodness, there's so much to get done, so much to do. 
and then boom, all of a sudden it's Christmas Day and then it's over. Advent is designed to, to keep us from that, to help us to prepare, to, to anticipate the gift of Jesus, the Son of God, the gift that, that changed everything. And as a result of that gift, it makes it possible for those who embrace Jesus as king to also receive, I think, in the most meaningful of ways, the, 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 the richest of ways, the gifts of the Advent season. Gifts of peace, joy, hope, and love. However, unlike many of the gifts that we'll receive on Christmas Day, these gifts from God are intended to be shared. I believe that God gives to those who are His people joy, peace, hope, and love with the intent that they will share those gifts with others. Now, obviously, we don't give them those gifts, as we said last Sunday, in the same way that God gives them to us, but, but we, we live into the truth of those gifts, and, and we want to live those gifts out in our lives for the sake of those who are, who are longing for peace, joy, hope, and love in this Advent season. I read an article this week, a British magazine called UK Express. It was summarizing some of the research that, that Great Britain has done, an organization in Great Britain that has done on, on Christmas stress and accidents. I couldn't find anything that was like it related to the U.S., but I'm guessing it's not that much different. The article was making the point that the Christmas season is not only one of the most stressful times of the year, but it also can be one of the most dangerous times of the year. Here's what some of their research found, that almost 20% of people find the experience of hosting guests and preparing for Christmas meals and festivities completely overwhelming. They would just rather it not happen. You can relate, can't you? Yeah, completely overwhelming. A third of the women that they surveyed in Britain, Great Britain said that they feel more stressed throughout December than any other month of the year. Falls most often to the ladies, the pressure of the home and the meal and, and hospitality. Do you know that 3% of the people that they surveyed had all suffered an electric shock due to badly wired Christmas lighting. And this is no joke. One in 50 people have fallen out of the attic trying to get the tinsel and the decorations down. They found that 2.6 million people have fallen off of a stool or a ladder while hanging up the decorations. And more than a half a million people have been injured in Christmas sales, the rush to get in the store. Now, my friends, if that is what Christmas is becoming, then it seems that we need to experience in this season the, the gifts of peace, joy, hope, and love in a big way. And so our text for this morning is, is from Luke's gospel record, his writing of the Christmas story. 
We're just going to read a portion of it. You probably know that Joseph and Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's hometown, because there was a census that was required of all who lived in the Roman Empire. So Luke tells us that Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem together, and while they were there, Mary gave birth to the baby Jesus. So let's stand together and read the next portion of Luke's narrative. Together. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. My sisters and my brothers, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. The birth of Jesus, according to the angels, was good news. And it, it always occurs to me that when we, we talk about good news, it, it makes sense that good news is only good if it's compared to bad news, news that's, that's not good. The good news of a Savior would cause not a little bit of joy. According to the angel, it wouldn't cause occasional joy. The angel says it's going to cause great joy. And the, the sense there is just one of, of marvel and, and wonder and explosive joy. Great joy available to all people who would recognize their need for a Savior, who would recognize the Savior, who would indeed embrace the Savior. And here is where I think is the, the, the truest possible meaning of, of joy. I think it's, it's where it takes shape. And one of the things that, that we are wanting to do in this Advent series at Applewood is, is be clear about the peace that is the gift from God and the joy and the hope and the love, those gifts, what, what exactly are there? Because everybody's got their version. Everybody's got their own understanding of, of what those things are and, and what it means to one person is not necessarily what it means to another. And so we're, we're trying really hard to be, to be honest with what Scripture is teaching us here in terms of, of what these gifts really are. And I think that, that joy is most clearly understood when it comes through an understanding of what God has done in sending His Son to be the Savior. That's the link that the angel made. Good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Scripture is clear that all people, 
are separated from God because of sin. And by sin, I don't mean just wrong actions or wrong words. It's not just, oh, naughty, naughty, as my British son-in-law says. It's, it's so much more than just naughty, naughty. Those things are just evidence of a far greater problem that we find spelled out in Scripture. Sin, sin is a rejection of God. Sin is, is not allowing God to occupy His rightful place in our lives. And Scripture teaches us that His rightful place in the life of every human being is to be at the very center of everything that they do. To be be the greatest love of the human heart. Human beings were created by God and they were created for God. And and I've said this often, they are created to live in a relationship with God that quite frankly is just unimaginable. Because the only basis that we have for relationships is human to human with one another. And depending on the relationships that have characterized our lives, depending on relationships uh, that have inflicted pain or disappointment, failure in one way or another for a variety of different reasons, the thought of living in a relationship with God isn't necessarily something that resonates in our hearts. And yet, that's what the Scripture teaches us, is that we were created by God and for God to live in a relationship with God that would indeed satisfy the greatest longing of the human heart. It can can only happen when a person is rightly related to the one who created them for that purpose. To live with God, who John, the apostle in the New Testament says, is love. God is love. Great love. Perfect love. Sophia Cavaletti was a member for many years of the faculty at Talbot Theological Seminary in California. And she pioneered research in the study of spirituality in young children. She was interested in the joy that she observed and found among many children in the relationship that they had between themselves and God. She researched it for many, many years. And in her book called Way of Holy Joy, she tells this story that some of you have heard before. It's a marvelous story. This three-year-old girl, she describes, was raised in an atheistic family with no church contact at all. Not a Bible in the house. This little girl asked her father one day, she said, Daddy, where did the world come from? Daddy looked at her, and he answered her in strictly naturalistic scientific terms. And then he said, there are some people who say that all this comes from a very powerful being and they call him God. Said somewhat 
caustically to his daughter. When the little three-year-old girl heard him say this, Cavaletti records that she started dancing around the room. And she was filled with this joy that just came out of her as she said to her father, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that what you told me wasn't true. It's him. It's him. The joy that children have in their relationship with God before they get adulted. (laughs) Assaulted with adulthood. Is it any wonder that Jesus so loved children? Because they embraced him for who he was. They just accept it with open hearts and open minds. The angel said the birth of a Savior was good news that would cause great joy. And I, because we are, we are created to live in a relationship with God, there is a, there is a restlessness in many hearts that drives people to find meaning, purpose, satisfaction through, through all kinds of activities in life. Some of those activities are healthy and some of those activities are destructive. But neither kind will fill the need of the human soul until it recognizes that need created by the one for whom they were made to be in relationship with. No soul will be satisfied until it finds the Savior that is needed. One who will save us from our rejection of God and and restore us to relationship for which we were created. That is the best news that anyone could ever receive and The angel said it's for all people. It's just not coincidental that children are often the ones that lead the way in matters of faith. Which I think is why it's so perfect that we have children reminding us this morning of what the scripture says about joy and where to find joy and and in whom there is joy singing reminders of God's faithfulness, His goodness. I think that's why it's so significant that we hear the words of the angel, good news of great joy. The news of a Savior means that there's a possibility of being restored to the relationship with God, which results in a sense of, ah, things have been made right. Things have been made right. That sense of satisfaction that things are are no longer out of sorts. And it really has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with right relationship. So, Rachel, can we put a question on the, uh, the screen this morning? I want you to just turn to someone and and ask them, so what do you think is the difference between joy and happiness? See what they think. All right, let's, uh, let's share some of the insights. What did you hear? 
difference between joy and happiness. Come on, you talked about something. Okay, happiness is external. We say joy is, is internal. Okay, what else? Okay, okay. Joy is a state of being related to God in us. Doug? Okay, okay. It's so interesting when you look at the definitions of those two words, even in the English dictionaries, it is, it's difficult to discern the difference. But you have expressed what I think has become more and more sort of that general accepted understanding of the difference between the two. Happiness having to do with external, uh, happiness having to do with, with happenings in our lives, if you will. Um, the circumstances are good, we're happy. Circumstances are hard, well, so goes happiness. Some of the original language as translators, you know, sift through some of the Greek and, and, and try to discern, you know, word usage and, and, and what makes one different from the other. The, what seems to be kind of the predominant idea is that, that joy, joy certainly produces happiness. Happiness doesn't really produce joy because they... They agree with kind of our assessment of one is external and circumstantial, other is internal and really is more of, of positional and standing. But what's linked, and I thought this was so cool, what's linked to the word that is used for joy in some of the earliest root words, rejoicing being one of them, it is a response of appreciation. Joy carries with it the idea of appreciation for something, which, which pushes us a little bit to understand that there's something bigger going on if the Scripture commands us, as, say, James does in chapter 2, consider it all pure joy when you encounter hardships of many kinds. Yikes! How do I do that? It's because there is something in the spirit of a joyful person who is appreciative of something that has been given. Joy carries with it the idea of an appreciative response. And it is, it's tied to that idea of position or, or new standing which is why we're looking at joy as a gift from God in this season. The angel said it. The Savior is the source of great joy for all people. God has provided for us a Savior to save us. And, and he's, he didn't come to save us from our circumstances. He came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us from our hard hearts that have rejected God. And when we surrender control of ourselves to the Savior, the Bible teaches the most incredible thing. It teaches us that we become children 
of God. Children of God. Who I think is the most joy-filled being in all of the universe. Can you imagine the folks in heaven, wherever that is, having a bad day in the presence of God? This is inconceivable. Because they are in the presence of what the psalmist calls fullness of joy. The fullness of joy exists in God. In your presence, says the psalmist, is fullness of joy. And so so the, the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in this eternal community abide in this sense of perfect joy. The, the fullness of joy then overflows from the presence of God to all those who are in his presence. Bit of a double meaning there. But that's the joy that Scripture is talking about. We become children of God, children of God who live in His presence, children of God who are indwelled by His presence as He gives us His Spirit when we become His children. And what happens is that we will begin to grow into a clearer and clearer understanding of soul satisfaction. The soul satisfaction that eludes us in our earthly quest, as we give ourselves heart and soul and body to relationships and activities and practices and habits, some good and some destructive, that search eludes humanity because it's not what we were created for. It's like hoping that my car will run on water. It wasn't made that way. We can't run through this life finding satisfaction and, and, and love and, and the kind of, of richness of life experience internally apart from the one who made us for himself. That's why the Bible promises that God's people will know joy. They will know joy because, because joy comes as God invades our interior space. Joy bubbles up from the inside when a person who has been created for God finds themselves back in a relationship that they were created for, made possible by Jesus the Savior. Joy begins with and finds its definition in In his presence, there is fullness of joy. You heard words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in our Advent candle reading this morning. Joy abides with God. And it comes down from God and embraces spirit, soul, and body. And where this joy has seized a person, there it spreads. There it carries one away. There it bursts open closed doors presence of God, joy producing in the life of an individual changes everything. And when that happens, that's when I think joy becomes a gift from God that is shared with others. 
G.K. Chesterton said, joy, which was the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. The gigantic secret of the Christian, joy that comes from God, joy that is the presence of God in and through our lives. When those who don't know the Savior look at those who do, and see in them a quality of satisfaction and steadiness that is not affected by life circumstances, the secret is out. There is a joy that can be had that fulfills the deepest longing of the human soul. The secret's out. And we don't share joy as this gift with others by deciding that it's a good thing to do. Okay, God has given me joy, and so I'm going to share joy with you. That'll work for a heartbeat because we don't conjure up the joy. The idea of, of happiness, the, the, the short-lived, externally driven emotion, we can make people laugh. We can be silly. We can be lighthearted. We can have fun we can make them laugh. We can make them happy. We can share our happiness. Joy. Joy doesn't come from us. Joy comes from God. And as his presence begins to take over our control center, our heart, our mind, that place of our emotions and our responses to life, as his presence begins to take those things over, and the truth of being children of God begins to, to, to dominate our thinking. Joy begins to leak out of our lives and splash onto the lives of others when they see us responding to this difficult world in which we live with a sense of, of, of confidence and certainty that there is someone who is in control and can be trusted. It's not something that we do. It's not something that we work at. I contend that it just happens as we pursue knowing God more and more each day as he's made himself known to us through his son, surrendering our daily lives and actions and words and relationships to him because he has become the center of our lives. That's what we're created for. So let me ask you, do you know joy in your life this morning? Do you find that in the hardest of circumstances, there is this this voice that is speaking into your life, presence of God who indwells you saying, I have this, I got you covered. Things are good. You're my child. I know this is painful. I know this is awful. I know this appears to many hopeless. I have this. You are my child because of what I've done for you through Jesus, the Savior. Do you have that knowledge, that assurance of belonging to God, that you're his child and that nothing is ever going to change that? 
You can if you don't. And, and I hope that if, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't have that certainty, don't leave today without knowing how you can know that, how you can be confident of that, how you can live with the joy of God because you have entered back into the relationship for which you were created. Don't leave without knowing that. Find me. Find someone in the Applewood family. Talk to them about how you can experience the joy of God in your life through Jesus. Phil, Allie, why don't you come on up and prepare to to lead us as we close. Janine mentioned that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and he was part of the Nazi resistance. He was executed for his resistance to the regime. Shortly before his arrest and his execution, he wrote these words to his students at Finwald University. A little bit of what we've heard, and then I want to add just a little bit more of what he said. The joy of God is invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it. In fact, Precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness. Precisely in this way, it looks death straight in the eye, but it finds life precisely within it. What matters is this joy that has overcome. The joy of God that has overcome the brokenness of the world. Bonhoeffer says, it alone is credible. It alone helps and heals. What a great gift from God. And in that wonderful poem that Joey read for us this morning, let me close with these reminders. Joy is for everyone. To have and behold, this kind of joy is heavenly gold. Joy sets free a sinner, brings glory to God, all who come to Jesus will be joyfully awed. And that is A-W-E-D, by the way. (laughs) However, you can be sure there will be those who think you are O-D-D because you exhibit the joy of God made possible through his son in the difficulties and the challenges of life on planet Earth. May you know that joy this season, God's joy through Jesus. Amen.